0: How do you strengthen your hamstrings? We all know there's a lot more evidence out there that hamstring strength is extremely important for a lot of things. And we hear about exercises like the Nordic hamstring curl, but is the Nordic hamstring curl the best exercise that you should incorporate into your workouts? Or is there a lot more to the story, a lot more to consider when it comes to optimal hamstring function? I personally think that hamstring strength and proper function is extremely vital for optimal performance. But I don't know if Nordic hamstring curls are the end all be all solution for that. Because the fact of the matter is, even all the athletes that I work with, no one can really do a Nordic hamstring curl with perfect form to actually maximize this benefits. So listening to this episode, I'm going to dive into this Nordic hamstring curl and what I personally like to use instead of it to actually get hamstring strength, function, and optimal performance. This is the right place to learn how a multidimensional approach will sustain the performance and lifestyle you desire. Welcome back everyone to the h Movement Podcast. For all of my new listeners out there, you're in the right place to hear about all of these conversations, topics, and tips to really help you to optimize your performance. And for all of my returning listeners, thank you again for tuning in for another week. For everyone out there, if you haven't heard some of the previous episodes, go check them out on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. There's been a lot of great solo topics, one like today where I cover a bite-sized chunk, something dealing with optimizing performance in terms of injury prevention, rehabilitation, strength and conditioning, sports nutrition, and just anything and everything that deals with optimizing performance. And also there's been a lot of guest interviews, guests who've come on, shared their stories, a lot of experiences that they've gone through that we can learn from. We can take something away from their experiences, their stories, and we can apply it to our journey. And on top of the podcast content, go check out a lot of other free content on my social media channels and my YouTube channel. Everything across the board can be found at h Movement. On my YouTube channel, there's a lot of video highlight clips of these guest interviews, so you can watch some of the video content that matches the audio that you've been listening to. If you're finding a lot of value and benefit from these episodes, please give me some feedback, interact with me. I would love to hear some of the ways that it has helped you, helped you to improve in some shape or form. Also, if you're finding value and benefit, please share the content with friends, family, coaches, teammates, colleagues, anyone else that will find some value and can apply some of these concepts to their training, their performance, and their overall life. With all of that, let's jump into today's episode. And I wanna talk about this because I'm actually not a big fan of Nordic hamstring curls. It's not because I'm not a big fan of hamstring strengthening. I think there's a lot of ways that we can more effectively get your hamstrings to activate, fire, build strength, build coordination, build some functional capacity to handle your sport. And a lot of times I see a lot of compensatory movements or compensatory form when someone is trying to do a Nordic hamstring curl, especially if you're not very experienced or you don't have adequate, not only hamstring strength, but core strength, hip strength as well. You do all of these little deviations that really takes away from activating and strengthening your hamstrings. So that's kind of what I want to dive into today. And I just came across this article it was actually a very good article I thought it's some preliminary data that's much needed and this article was in journal of athletic training it just came out this past year and the title of the article was modulating the Nordic hamstring exercise from zero to hero a stepwise progression explored in a high performance athlete and granted this was only tested on one person but the concepts it talked about some of the EMG hamstring activation talked about knee moments and knee torque and it went through a progression of how to actually build up to a true Nordic hamstring curl and it gave a lot of good insights again this is just preliminary data but I think it was very valuable and it's stuff that we can it makes sense we intuitively know that this is what's happening but it's good to have some data to confirm the theory and the thought process of what's going on in a Nordic hamstring exercise the reason why I want to bring this up too is that It's been a lot more popularized that everyone should be doing Nordic hamstring curls because it's eccentric hamstring strengthening and that's what we need for functional tasks. That's what we need for injury prevention and all of these other things. And yes, that is true, but if the exercise, if we can't do the exercise with optimal form to get the intended benefit out of it, then a lot of times we're just figuring out how to compensate around our hamstring weakness. So let's start with some basics. Why is this important? The topic of hamstring training it's been widely recognized as it's very important for athletic performance and it's also important for injury prevention. So hamstring strains have been shown to reduce with hamstring strengthening exercises. There's been shown to be less ACL injuries and all of these types of things because the hamstring is a very crucial muscle for lower extremity movements. On top of that, the Nordic hamstring crawler, this type of movement pattern, it's very specific to hamstring function in a certain way, meaning that your hamstrings, it's a two-joint muscle, so crosses your hip joint and crosses your knee joint. With two-joint muscles like the hamstring, what we need to happen is one side is usually stable, so we need a stable base so that it can produce force and torque on the other end where it's attached to. So for example, if we're going to use the hamstring as a knee flexor, we typically need the hips to be really stable in a good position so that we can generate force at the knee joint and vice versa if we want the hamstrings to act on the hip joint to create hip extension then we typically need the knees to be stable so that we can actually produce force to extend our hips that example of us acting to extend our hip we see that with the most common closed-chained weight-bearing exercises things like RDLs Romanian deadlifts. We have the knee in a stable position, the knee is extended, and that acts as a stable base so that we can use our hamstring to pull on our ischial tuberosity or extend our hips. So we do that typically for hamstring exercises. That's important as well. What we typically don't do as often, or most people, we don't use the hamstrings to act on the knee as much. And definitely we don't use the hamstring to act on the knee as much in an eccentric manner. So that is the Nordic hamstring curl, because if you think about it, the hips are not moving. It should be relatively stable in a good position so that we can use the hamstrings to pull our knee into flexion. And that is the benefit of the Nordic hamstring curl or that type of movement pattern is that we're trying to use the hamstrings to act on the knee joint. So that basic understanding of what the hamstrings are trying to do, that helps us to implement these types of exercises better. Now the Nordic hamstring exercise, again, I'm very, very big on hamstring strengthening, but I'm not so big on the Nordic hamstring exercise because there's a lot of limitations and challenges and ways that people compensate around it. So even though it's become widely popularized, many athletes struggle to do this with proper form. And there's a couple things that I want to point out here. And I've seen this across the board, even elite level athletes, people with extremely strong lower body hamstring muscles. It's very, very hard to get some of the benefit of the Nordic hamstring curl. There's a couple common things that you see consistently across the board is because it's very demanding on our hamstrings. I mean, you have this extremely long lever from your knee to the top of your head that you're trying to keep in a straight line. That's the goal. As you're lowering yourself to the ground, that's that eccentric portion of hamstring control because it's so demanding. Again, many of us, we can't keep our hips extended completely extended at zero degrees or we can't keep our pelvis in that neutral rotation position, meaning that our pelvis will fall into anterior pelvic tilt. We'll start to arch our back. We'll be in lordosis. And on top of that, a reflects at the hip. So you can see that that alone, it's going to alter the dynamics of how we use our lower body and especially our hamstrings. So what this has been thought to do and even shown to do is that when we flex our hips in the Nordic hamstring curl, we greatly don't use our hamstrings as much. There's lower hamstring activation. And because of that, it's also thought that we more rely on our passive structures primarily like our hamstring tendons. And in addition, whenever we anteriorly pelvic tilt again, we also do that same effect, we're trying to help out our hamstrings because it's too much load for our hamstrings to tolerate. We lower our hamstring activation because of that position that we fell in, and we also lengthen out that proximal attachment of the hamstrings, which all coincide with lowering our hamstring activation. And again, we're probably gonna rely more on passive structures, like our hamstring tendons, to pick up some of the slack. So again, once we flex our hip and rotate our pelvis downwards, we're not getting full benefit of the hamstring strengthening exercise. Now, the second point that I wanna bring up is that in the Nordic hamstring curl, anybody that's tried it, your knees are bent, maybe you start at like around, knees bent at 90 degrees or so, and then you're trying to control the descent, or you're trying to control pretty much a fall to the ground with your hamstrings. Well, you're really strong when you're more vertical, and as your body starts to get closer to the ground, more horizontal, then your hamstrings, of course, have to tolerate way more resistance and load. Now what happens is we get a lot of hamstring strengthening and activation when we're in that vertical position when our knees are more bent. Typically like maybe anywhere from like 90 to 60, 50 degrees or so if you're really strong that's when your hamstrings are really picking up the slack. Anything beyond that 50 degrees to the ground you're typically just falling at that point or your hips are flexing a lot because you're trying to help out the hamstring weakness. So because of that, we're getting a lot of hamstring strengthening in that upright position when our knees are more bent and we're not getting as much hamstring strengthening when our knees are closer to straight, when we're closer to the ground. Because of that, we know that for this type of hamstring exercise, we need to really focus on getting strength when our hamstrings are lengthening out. We need to get that strength when our knees are closer to zero degrees. Because of the nature of the Nordic hamstring exercise and how difficult it is, typically we're not getting a lot of strengthening when our hamstrings are in that elongated position when we're closer to knee straight. So because of that, we're kind of missing the boat again. We're strengthening a lot in that shortened range, but then again, when we need the strength the most, We lack that development because a lot of times our hamstrings are too weak to even control that end range. It's working, but again, it's not working optimally to get some strength in that end range. Now, because of that, you can guess again, when we're just falling, more of that slack is probably picked up by our passive structures, like our hamstring tendons. And again, if you're combining that with the hip flexion and anterior pelvic tilt, because you can't stabilize and you can't do all of this work with your hamstrings, then even more so, we're really minimizing how much our hamstrings are contributing. And we're just really trying to get a lot of passive structures to tolerate this kind of load and again that could lead to other types of problems not only with the exercise itself but functionally we're not getting the strength in the range that we need so it's for those reasons that I don't think that a Nordic hamstring exercise is well suited for a lot of people because again, the weaker you are, definitely you're going to have more of these compensatory patterns. And definitely you're only going to be working the hamstrings a lot in that really shortened knee bent position because you're not able to lower yourself. So what are some alternatives to this? Think about it. We just need stable pelvis. We want the pelvis to be a neutral position. We want the hips to be extended so that we can isolate the force being applied to the knee joint to create knee flexion. If you can do that in better ways and progress your way up to maybe even eventually working to a Nordic hamstring curl then that's great. One of the big things that I like to do, I'm really big on this, I think GHR machines are really really great to work up to this and actually focus on meeting you at where your strength demands are. And doing so in a way that we can develop the strength in the right way to help you to keep progressing so GHR glute ham raise machine right it's a simple thing it's in the same position as the Nordic hamstring curl you still can work on that knee flexion angle you still can work on that eccentric phase you can work holding yourself parallel there's a lot of options that you can do to actually get the right muscles firing Get in a good position and work on that control that you need. And again, you can adjust the resistance or how far away you are from the thigh pads to make sure that you're actually able to strengthen when your knees are almost straight just unlocked because that's what we want to do we want to make sure that we can build that strength when the hamstrings are more elongated and we can build that strength in ways that our muscles are getting stronger and we're not just relying more on our passive structures like our tendons All of these things that I talked about, I mean, just remember, try to avoid those compensatory patterns. The typical thing that you'll see is a lot of lordosis because of anterior pelvic tilt, people will start to use their back extensors to help their hamstring weakness. Another thing is that we avoid to develop that strength when our knees are straighter. So if you start to do that, Focus on your hip position, keep it extended, don't move through your back, keep your core locked out, use your abs to protect your spine, squeeze your glutes to keep the hips extended, hips in a good position, and then really start to isolate your hamstrings. If you do those things, I guarantee that you'll feel like your hamstrings are doing way more work. And if that feels like it's doing way more work than a Nordic hamstring curl, because you're just trying to control as best as you can the falling, then I think that the GHR exercise is way better, way more effective, gonna give you way more bang for your buck to actually strengthen your hamstrings the proper way, strengthen your hamstrings in a good way throughout the range of motion, which is going to be key for all of these benefits that we know about. Decreasing injury risks, helping to improve performance like sprinting, jumping performance. We need this type of hamstring strength through the range of motion so that is what you're trying to do and again you combine this with all of the other hamstring exercises that you do whether that's RDLs some hamstring curls in various positions some core and hamstring exercises you can combine this GHR type of movement pattern with all of the other things that you're doing in the lower body to really help you to create balance strengthen the right areas and help you to optimize your performance So the key point here again is just to analyze what the exercise is trying to do and see how can you make it work or be the most effective for you to do and see what you need to do to get the right type of strengthening adaptations that you need. And sometimes it's regressing or changing the exercise a little bit. Not everything that you see on social media or everything that you hear is going to be suited for you but the concept is something that you can apply. So then again, you can tweak the exercise, you can figure out what's best. And for me personally, working with everyone from high school athletes to professional athletes, GHRs, I think they give the right type of stimulus. People can do it really well. I can coach them to make these corrections because again, you can adjust the resistance. Where a Nordic hamstring curl, I mean, you can use bands, you can use things to assist but it's not as effective, I think, as adjusting the resistance on a GHR machine. So take all of that context, see what you can do. And if you don't have a GHR machine, there's other body weight exercises, other variations that you can do to mimic the same type of resistance. So that's all that I have for this episode. I can go way more in depth, but we'll save that for more content in the future. So think about this. You don't need to do Nordic hamstring exercises. You can do other variations. You can do a GHR machine. I think that's most people's best bang for their buck. Especially if you know that you have hamstring weakness, especially if you know that you're coming off any type of knee injury in the past, maybe you're rehabbing a knee injury now, or you have a history of soft tissue like hamstring strains, then this is something that you want to start to incorporate. You want to incorporate something that replicates a stable hip, and you have to use your hamstrings to act on the knee joint. And if you do this, then your hamstrings will get stronger in the ways that you need it to be, and it will translate into more functional tasks that you're doing with activity and sports. So that is all that I have for today. For everyone out there, again, go check out all of the free content, go check out my YouTube channel, everything across the board can be found at HL Movement. And also if you're finding value, Give me feedback, interact with me, message me on social media, and share this content that you find valuable with friends, family, coaches, teammates, colleagues, anyone again that's looking to level up and optimize their performance. I hope everyone has a great week ahead of them. It's already Christmas coming up this week, so everyone enjoy some time with family, friends, and enjoy the holidays. Stay tuned for more episodes as we head into 2024 already. I release episodes every Tuesday, so I will be back here same time, same place next week. I hope everyone has a great week and Merry Christmas, everyone. Aloha.